Osiris. Hi, this is Lucas Nelson with Promise of the Real, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. Welcome in to episode 93 of The Bluest Tape. I am Harvey Couch, alongside Jeff Kolak. And thanks for joining us in our fortnightly journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. And, you know, I would apologize that it's taken us a little bit of time to do this Ryman recap, but I figure most of the time we're talking about things that happened 20 years ago. Um, waiting two weeks for a recap is pretty, you know, pretty short in, in uh, comparatively. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, and it's not like people haven't heard. M- m- most people, if they've they've been able to seek this these recordings out, of course, they come here for the hard hitting analysis. That's yeah, that's what they want to hear is is yeah. our hot takes. Hot takes on 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 uh, an acoustic widespread panic from the Ryman, but uh, but no, it's a. Uh, I, I will apologize. I take uh, partial blame. Or nearly all, nearly all, yeah, near, nearly all. I've encouraged you with the advent of this technology we use to to do, you know, and you have this lovely studio now. You can you can do sessions. It's not it's not the same, Jeff. I can't yeah. just sit here and talk to myself. I need you well, as bring, a sounding board. Bring your children on. Uh-huh. Um, eh, someone I'll, tells me that's not going to be quite, <laughs> not going to quite do it. For the listeners, I almost made a guest appearance tonight, but uh, he, he fell asleep. So, otherwise, he might have been right here with me. someday. He will someday. He'll he'll chime in on his love for takeoff jams. We um we just got back from a week long uh, vacation up to the uh, North Country, and um, I even took my microphone and computer, Jeff, just in case you might find some time wow. to record a podcast. That's how that's how dedicated I am. Laying it on thick. You are now, <laughs> I mean, it's dedication, but you just really want to talk about the Ryman because you were there and you just want to make me feel bad about it that I wasn't. I, that's no, that is not, that's, that's not at all. I've already done that. I don't need to do that on here. Yeah. I had but, a lovely weekend in Fayetteville, Arkansas when you Yeah, were I'm there. sure you did. Do you want to, so do you want to give us a recap of that before we get into a, uh, to panic? Um, Sure. Uh, we went to the Arkansas Roots Festival, Fayetteville Roots Festival in Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, where I presented uh, Isaac Hayes' Hot Buttered Soul, uh, 50th anniversary of that record this year, with Al Bell, the uh, former chairman of Stax Records, and the one who really was the guiding force behind bringing Isaac Hayes to the fore as a as a as a musical entity. And we spent some time at the Cosmic. Cosmic Cowboy Studio, which is a brand new analog studio in Fayetteville, had just opened the Wednesday before we got there. And really nice place, nice staff. I'm hoping they uh, they're really, if you are in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and you're looking to record some music, 
I've, I, I, unless I misheard them, they're trying to dial in their gear right now. So mm-hmm. I would look up the Cosmic Cowboy and see if they have any availability because they might work with you on rates. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, but it's a great little studio, and we had these. We had great conversations. Uh, sold out both both afternoons. We sold some merch. Um, the coolest thing to come out of it, though, was a mistake. But also, it's a sort of a the difference. We learned the difference in vinyl pressings, and I brought two copies with me. One of the original pressing from 1969. One of a repress they did in 1973. 273 i think 73 and then one of the 50th anniversary pressings that uh, craft recordings put out that was pressed here in memphis by memphis record pressing and we played the first pressing on saturday afternoon which had some clicks and pops and i forgot to bring my record cleaner so it didn't sound the best but it's just you know a full field of sound like the way god intended vinyl records to sound right big open grooves you know they had a really nice turntable brand new turntable that we were breaking in and it just sounded amazing despite you know a little bit of hiss and some and some pretty big pops on the b side sunday the mr bell's uh uh associate comes to me and asks if he could play if i could play the other copy because the other one had some pops and i said sure i I took it out and i looked at it in the light and like it looked it had some it had some scuffs and a little dirt on it but it was okay i thought it was going to be okay and as soon as we started playing it you could just tell the difference in the pressings Hmm. and just in terms of that full feel the sound was compressed heavily it's like somebody just squashed it a little bit you know and so we're playing it and obviously i'd listened to this record a bunch of times so i just stepped outside to get some fresh air it had brained pretty hard and and it just wanted to breathe in some breathe in some uh some fresh air and somebody else somebody comes out and says hey the record's skipping well when i go in the record wasn't skipping but what it was doing was it was almost like phase shift where like the music goes from left to right Mm. and in talking to a guy at a record store here in Memphis, well, anyway, I took the record off, put on the 50th anniversary pressing, which sounds great, and we played it all the way through and carried on with the program. But the cool thing was, is I talked to one of the guys at a record store here in town, and he said, well, that sometimes happens with the hole is off-center. And if the uh-huh. hole is off-center, the needle will still track, and it won't, it won't skate off like it but it will not sit in the groove properly and it'll move back and forth in the groove. And I then, wonder if that, if it like progressively gets worse too, as it gets so, closer so to the center. That might be one thing it does. It did get worse as it got closer to the center, which made me think that that's actually what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other thing is, is that sometimes if you use a cheap, a cheap, if you're say, shall we say not precise in your pressing, um, if you have an old stamper or don't do it as accurately as possible, or, you know, just aren't the quality control isn't there, you can actually press a record off center too. Hmm. And so what made me think of all what the reason why I'm talking going through all this detail is it brings up one of my favorite stack stories ever, which is stacks put out a record by Richard Pryor, um, back in, he was involved at the Wattstacks Festival in 1972, and he's heavily featured in the documentary and really was his big sort of, he was a well-known entity in some some circles, but really this was his big break. So Stax puts a record out on him on their comedy label, and it's called That N-Word's Crazy, and it uh, 
sells a bunch of copies and so on. And so to press that record, they needed to get them out and they had to open this, basically what amounted to a secret pressing plant to get them distributed and around their really bad distribution deal with CBS records. So they bought this pressing plant, which anecdotally I've heard was no bigger, no cleaner, nor any more well apportioned than a chicken coop <laughs> in the middle of in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas. And I think there were just a couple presses there. And the first thing they pressed in rural Arkansas was this Richard Pryor record. But one of the anecdotes I've always heard about that record was there's a ton of bad copies out there because the holes are off center. <laughs> and so what happened in Fayetteville versus this story, plus all this other, made me think if this was one of the represses that they had done when they had this plant in Arkansas. So anyway, it just was one of those fascinating things that I've, I mean, I've listened to thousands and thousands of records and never had that happen before. So it was just really interesting. And again, and the cool thing was everybody was really cool with it. Cause I told them before, it's like, it's going to be clicks. There's going to be clicks and pops and hiss, but it's the way uh, it was intended to be, and it was a bunch of middle-aged people sitting with their eyes closed, grooving to Isaac Hayes. So, and they were in a rainstorm. So it was cool. Nice. Uh, and music-wise, I saw Mavis Staples, who was as Mavisy as ever, uh, eighty mm. years old. Um, she tried uh, um, tried to get the crowd to rally behind her candidacy for president, which I think <laughs> she would we're do all very on well. board there. We're all on board with that. And um, saw her and then uh, saw Rhiannon Giddens, which was, or who was amazing. No surprise there. Yeah. And then I saw His Golden Messenger, which yeah. I had actually not seen before. And I really enjoyed their set, but I felt kind of bad because it was sort of a weird fit. Um, considering the crowd was very middle-aged and his golden messenger while is very accessible it just wasn't the uh the big draw and they were to close out saturday night so by the time they're sh- about an hour or so into their set about a th- only about a third of the crowd was still left so um and i left early too so s- sue me harvey sue me but i found a lovely uh lovely farmer's market had some great baked goods at the little bread company had excellent beer at shoot what's the name of that Brewery at Crucible, Crisis Brewing, which was okay. excellent beer. I also had Fossil Cove, the Columbus House, and one other one. And Fossil Cove was pretty good, but and they have a great spot and they have a really good like uh, pizza truck. But Crisis Brewing was fantastic. Um, really good beers, a lot of IPAs, of course. They had a red ale that was really tasty, and um, it was a really nice place. Picnic tables, friendly people. The whole smash nice yeah so, so anyway, i um it wasn't in nashville I, I was, but it was still good yeah well i, I want to get into nashville talk but my most recent journey was up to uh to connecticut for uh my i guess sister-in-law's wedding mm-hmm. and um so went to some good breweries around hartford we went to um alvarium and new park brewing which were good and then we made the trip up to massachusetts treehouse which was fantastic as Did always you drive or fly? we drove so you so, were able to bring back product yeah we were i mean it was we were riding pretty low coming into kentucky i mean 
<laughs> several cases of beer West, uh, West in the down, it's like us <laughs> pretty much abandoned and snowman uh yeah my brother-in-law made the mistake of telling rachel that you know it's illegal to transport uh the liquor over state lines and so she's starting to get worried i'm like really but i think it's fine i think we're really fine on that um so so uh yeah and then we went to on our way back we stopped in washington dc and spent a couple days there and um i did a little bit of work uh did some some lobbying on the hill and saw uh, saw the staff of some of our great uh, senators from the Commonwealth of Kentucky and um, and then uh, and you know spent some time with the boys on the on the mall and you know did some exploration there had had to explain to them why people were protesting outside of the White House and and why and uh, and how elections work and why sometimes the, the best choices don't always win. <laughs> So, uh, so that was all learning for everybody. But, um, and then we went to Aslan Brewing in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, which is fantastic too. So it was a great trip. Well, it's good that you worked in educational opportunities for your kids, having pulled them out of school right away in the beginning. Of the yeah. Day. Yeah. And we had to like get approval for that. So it was, you know, it was five days out of school. I mean, the little one is still in daycare, so it doesn't matter, but you know, Quincy's in first grade. So we had to, um, so we got we got credit for two days of school by going to Washington DC uh, and, uh, and learning some things. So just three days of, of, I guess, excused absences and then two days of actual class. Does, so, he, sorry. does, he, get, does he have a limited amount of leave time that he can use for school? Yeah. 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 You can only have, I think like seven days of like of parents signed date time off. And then after that, you need a doctor's note. And after that, I mean, if you don't, and I think, and then you start being, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, uh, you should know, cause I'm sure you got in trouble for this in high school, but you know what I mean? When you don't go to, when, you, go when to you're a truant, when you, truant. then you become a truant. Yeah. Truant so, uh, so yeah. So anyway, so good trip. But the weekend before was the trip to to Nashville, which was fantastic. I had just a fantastic time. Um, I went down Friday after work, got in town um, to stop by uh, Bearded Iris. Had a couple couple beers there, and then went over to the um, the uh, Mercy Lounge to see a friend friend of the podcast, uh, Sam Holt. And, um, uh, and that was great. And, um, saw some of the, some of the guys that were playing with him, um, the year before in Nashville are, are still playing with him, Jeremy Ward, who I think listens to the podcast. So shout out to Jeremy. Um, and, uh, a couple other guys. In fact, one of, uh, do you remember the band Tisha Mingo? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, Cameron Williams was the lead singer of Tishomingo was, was playing with Sam in Nashville. Um, so that was cool to kind of have another, uh, another vocalist and another songwriter kind of integrated in. And, um, so he was really cool. Nice to, to hang out with him and meet him. So great show Friday night by Sam after, after the panic show. And then, um, and then went to the panic show on Saturday at the Ryman, which was, um, and I mean, you know, I guess my hot take is that that was the best panic show that I've seen since 2002, like without a doubt. Now it's not, there's only, I've only seen probably, I don't know what, 10 or 12, 14 maybe since. So not a super high bar, but it was 
it was next level compared to anything else that I've seen um, in the uh, in the post Mikey era for sure. So, um, so it was very enjoyable. I don't know if we. I guess we should play some music before we start getting into the to breaking down the uh, some musical experience. But um, but yeah, it was fun. I love the Ryman. Love Nashville. Um, we went after, so after the show Saturday, um, I was with a, a couple friend of ours who are neighbors of ours, um, who was there and we were going to go to see Sam, which is crazy. Cause I never go to after shows after the band plays, but you know, it's, you know, it's not too far. And I was, you know, we were feeling pretty, pretty, uh, pretty amped up after the panic show. And so we walked out of the Ryman and I didn't, I was kind of disoriented. I wasn't quite sure which direction was which, because the idea was like, let's walk away from Broadway and catch an Uber and go to the Mercy Lounge. And, um, but my buddy decided that he wanted to go to Broadway. And so we walked down to Broadway and on a Saturday night. And let me tell you, that's not something that I ever want to do again. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of woo girls down there. I mean, it, like that is, if you want to like define not Harvey scene, that's it. <laughs> Literally everything that's opposite of what you see on a Saturday night walking down Broadway in Nashville is me. So uh, it was, I mean, you know, it was entertaining, I guess, but um, we walked down a couple blocks to like, there's a, like, there's some kind of brewery, like broad some kind of brewery down there that we walked to or a brew house or something, had a beer and then finally went to the mercy lounge and, and caught caught sam so um yeah good times so um so we got a selection from each night of the three nights and um i guess i'd be remiss too if we didn't mention the band also played two nights in pensacola so we can maybe uh, discuss that a little bit later on but um since we're now like newsy and stuff right <laughs> we're newsy <laughs> Um, so, all right. So first night, um, did you listen to any of this stuff live or no, only after the fact? Uh, I think I, no, I listened to Sunday night cause I was home. Uh, okay. but I listened to stuff, uh, Saturday morning and Sunday morning. Okay. So I want to share like one thing was after, so I left bearded iris and then went to the house the airbnb that we had for the weekend and um it was right about the time that panic was starting or getting ready to start at the ryman and um so i was listening to you know i had the stream on in my car as i drove and uh, so i heard the opener live in the car driving in nashville and um have you listened to that part yet the jb solo yeah chili water yeah um man i mean that was like super high energy and i don't know if it was just the energy in the crowd or it really reminded me more of it reminded me more of like sit and ski than anything else that i'd heard from previous wood tour stuff mm -hmm. which i have enjoyed i mean i'm not like a hater on wood tour but like it seems like generally those are a little more mellow you know they play more quiet acoustic songs but like um to me sit and ski is more about like playing i don't know like i guess loud songs quietly as opposed to playing quiet songs quietly you know and like songs that are like where you can sort of get the sense the band is like 
it's hard for them to sit down while they're playing them. You know, um, they like want to get out of their seats, but they're, but they stay seated. And that was sort of what that chili water had the feeling of to me, like just really high energy and, um, you know, creative. And I don't know. I, I, I thought that was like just a great signal for what the weekend was going to be like music. Yeah. Good. I mean, certainly the whole show, the whole first night was really good. Um, yeah, the chili opener was 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 pretty cool. I guess I was trying to think of the last. He's done chili solo before as part of uh, when he was doing. I remember the when he played at Hookahville. I think he did a chili solo. Uh, okay, uh, all right. But he's. I'm sure he's done it some other time. So that was great. Uh, you were all excited because they played New Blue for the first time in 1,131 shows. Yeah, um, I believe my response to you or something was like, "There's a reason why they haven't played it in that long." Or something. Oh, that's so harsh. Do you, you, you so you didn't like New Blue at all when it was? I saw New Blue when it was around. It was, I saw it was yeah. around. They played it three times, um, but it wasn't bad. And then uh, the, okay. the No Sugar was good. I actually, I made it, you said that New Blue was the longest gap, and I said no. I think it was Wishbone or something. And then they played Wishbone, which was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is two thousand a gap of two thousand two hundred and sixty shows from December of eighty nine to Halloween of two thousand eleven, and Willis Allen Ramsey Ramsey classic. Yeah, and then uh, the driving sandwich was cool, and the takeout porch closer was good, and then the encore, um, which you have selected to play for the people, was was pretty great. Yeah, so um, we'll get to that, and then uh, I'm gonna come back and uh, talk. You know, sort of set the stage a little bit for uh, for night number two.
widespread panic at the Ryman Auditorium, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, August 23rd, 2019. The encore from the first night of a three-night run. The Beatles song, uh, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, followed up by the Jerry Joseph song, North. And this is a nice little combo. Um, love seeing or hearing, I guess, You've Got to love, Hide Your Love Away. Um, Panic doing this. It's a great song that bands covered. The Black Crows covered it several times actually i saw them cover it in nashville of all places some 13 years ago Mm. on their summer tour with drive-by truckers and robert randolph which was the opposite of the wheels of soul tour meaning they toured together all summer and nobody sat in with the other the entire Mm. summer imagine Uh, that yeah imagine that but good shows good shows jason isbell is still in the drive-by truckers singing uh moonlight mile and uh let me roll it I have uh, I saw Jason Isbell on Friday night too, by the way. Um, just random interstitial, and uh, but anyway, this is a great encore. The North is super long and pretty intense, and they, that's a song that I was surprised you kind of picked this because I didn't think you really liked that song that much. But maybe I was wrong. Okay, so um, also uh, a good cover of "Hide Your Love Away" is a Pearl Jam. Uh, do a good one. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed this version. It's fun. It's kind of a crowd sing along, but you know, that plays well at the Ryman. The crowd was super into it. Um, yeah. So I picked North because, um, so I did like that song. I did like it early on when they started playing it. Um, I didn't so much, I really dislike the album version that they did with Jimmy. I just don't like how Herring sound sounded on that and haven't really liked how he sounded on the, on most of the live versions. Um, but this one I thought was great probably because he wasn't playing electric guitar. Um, and also because again, it, it, it is, it, it harkens back to sit and ski for me of like, like climb to safeties from sit and ski where it's like, you know, lots of acoustic guitar and, and high energy and, you know, fun and, you know, not mellow. Right. And, um, and it just, it's cool to hear to me, like to hear a real, um, loud song kind of stripped down, uh, and played, uh, with acoustic guitars. So, um, that's why I picked that for this. And, uh, and I think there's some of that, um, there's not so much of that in this first night, but you get some of that um, in night two and uh, and also in, in the third night. So, um, you know, I mean, the example in the third night would be like protein drink sewing machine, right? It is mm-hmm. not something you think of as being a traditional acoustic uh, song, but just works really well. So, um, so yeah, I was kind of I was kind of torn because I really like that chili water. I wanted to pick that, but doesn't sound great um just because the, the crowd is so loud and jb is not really super loud on the audience tape so i didn't want to do that so um this is probably my second favorite part of the first night so um the space wrangler is really good at the end of the first set too but um yeah so no i really dug the north that's probably again one of my favorite versions of north since uh, since 2002 Okay, Harvey. So now the floor is yours to set the stage for 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 your Saturday. Tell us about your Saturday. Okay. Um, so, uh, 
Maybe I mean, should I should I recap uh, Friday night Sam Holt band? That's a for Sam Holt and friend friends. Um, if you're going to I... briefly do it, briefly. Okay, I'll, I mean, just like ten or fifteen minutes. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get a beverage. I'll come. Okay, back. I'll text you and I'll text you when I'm done. No, come on, <laughs> Jeff. Jeez. Um, let me see if I can find the uh, the set list because that might be. That might be kind of helpful. Oh, you didn't uh, take notes at the show? No, no, I didn't. Um, all right, so here are the highlights from from the Sam Holt show on Friday night. Um, did a uh, time is free into B of D. That was pretty pretty nasty. And then um, uh, busted out analyze, which uh, we heard Sam talk about on this podcast. A, f- uh, a few weeks ago that we played from the uh, 94 uh, I think it was Pensacola show maybe did you listen to that episode you were you were not on it but did you listen to that episode I did listen to, did listen to that episode Sam picked up some guys, awesome music that I mean you did a fine job you're, you're so much more effusive in your praise of our guests selections of music than you are of mine which leads mm-hmm. you to, to believe that you don't think much of my selections most of the time I, I think that's unfair I would say that you know are you just trying to suck up because they're guests? Maybe partially that, but I would also say like, you know, Sam's only been on a couple times. And so I feel like he's, you know, we, we made, you made some pretty good choices the first few, few episodes too. <laughs> so first few. He had, he had much, he had a much wider, you know, catalog to choose from <laughs> than, than, than we do, than we do at this point. So anyway. That, that was um, good. Really yeah. good, Harvey. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's an analyze. Uh, Friday night was was great with Sam, but yeah, I'll move on to so Saturday night. Um, panic um, at the mother church, and uh, so I was a little worried. I have to admit, um, even after listening to uh, to most of the show from Friday night, um, a little worried that it might be a little too uh, too mellow. You know, there wasn't going to be enough energy, enough, you know, uh, dance. I know you mostly sway with your arms crossed, but I generally like to move a little bit at a at the sure. concert. So, uh-huh. um, so yeah. So it starts off. I'm not alone, which didn't exactly um, give me, you know, a whole lot of hope that <laughs> it was going to be super high energy. But, uh, but then they went straight into make sense to me, which was, I think, a lot a lot more energy um, and then nice, happy. And then Geraldine w- was great to see. Um, obviously they haven't played that really, um, you know, a whole lot, I guess only what three times. Wow. Three times since 1992, which is crazy. Um, so they played it that one time in Myrtle beach, which was on the Uber Cobra album, Uber, Uber Cobra album, say that five times fast. Um, and then again, in the first wood tour, uh, at, at in Aspen, February of 2012. Uh, and then this, so I guess I didn't quite realize that was quite as much of bust out as it was, but, um, that was welcome. And then, um, Gradle and, uh, and wondering and heaven and that was all good. And then, you know, there had been a lot of buzz on the uh, on the online community about a potential uh, Billy Strings appearance. Um, and 
I was, you know, hopeful that it would be Saturday night and not Friday or Sunday. And so the uh, hopes came true when, when they brought out the, the chair and, and he came out to join them at the end of the first set and um, played uh, There Is A Time, and uh, which is a, uh, what's the name of that band? Do you know? They're on the... The Dillard. uh, The Dillards, yeah. The Andy Uh, Griffiths show? The the Darling family? Yep. And... um, Know it well. Know it well. And then, uh, and he sang, uh, Billy sang a a verse there, and then uh, into Blackout Blues, which was a lot of fun. And um, he got a chance to shine on that. And uh, that was, uh, ended the first set with, uh, with a smile for sure there. And, um, and I think honestly, if, uh, if he had not made another appearance and that would have been, I mean, I, w- I was hoping that he would come back out, but that was a good, you know, sort of good enough, enough, uh, enough of a taste. So, um, I did want to set out, set the stage a little bit on, uh, on the second set. So, um, you know, JB starts the whole run with a, uh, a solo, uh, chili water. And then, um, and then the second set comes out and um, and plays, I guess, on Everyday Companion, they say it's ribs and whiskey into milk and cookies into Silent Night, um, which I guess is maybe as good a as good a choice as any as what you're going to as what to call that. But um, I mean, really, it was more just a different interpretation of ribs and whiskey. I don't know that he actually ever sang ribs and whiskey. I think it was just a different different lyrics almost all together where he's talking about milk and cookies, but, um, that was cool. Again, I mean, more of a, more of a feel of, of sit and ski where you've got, um, you know, solo stuff and, and, uh, different takes on things and, um, you know, stuff like that. So, um, that was good to see. And then right after that, uh, one of the more unique things that I've ever seen um, on a, at a panic show was the imitation leather shoes. Um, so I just want to note, I don't know if you're, you're not watching the Saints game, are you? I just checked the score and you see, you said in the break that it looks like they're going to win and, uh, yeah. they were ahead, and then uh, are they not going to now? No. So the, the Texans just, uh, scored a touch they went 75 yards in two plays to, to oh. tie it um and then um and then texans oh, yeah. kick an extra point and miss it and we rough the kicker what? so the ex- the extra point to win missed so it was tied and then we rough the kicker so now they get another chance and they kick the extra point to go up by a point which may be the most saints thing ever I don't know. Probably not more than uh, doing the River City Miracle for seventy-five yards to to cut it to one, and then missing the extra point to send it to overtime. I mean, but, you better keep it in perspective. You have won a Super Bowl. This is nineteen eighties, uh, nineteen mid nineteen eighties Saints. I wouldn't put that in the uh, recent. Yeah, panel. that's a pretty spectacular fucking way to lose. So I have to say. Well, that just wrecked everything. No more yeah. recording Sunday night during your team's games. Yep. Um. Okay, so where the fuck was I? Um, okay. 
So <laughs> the food image- has really taken a turn. Yeah. Yeah. So um, imitation leather shoes. So after, um, so JB finishes uh, the, the milk and cookies bit. And then um, Jojo comes out and sits at the piano and, and JB kind of walks to the side of the stage and it's like, okay, so JB solo and now Jojo solo. And then Sonny comes out and sits kind of next to Jojo with a, with a conga drum. And then JB walks kind of behind the piano. If you can imagine where the piano would be um, sort of at a 90 degree angle to the front of the stage. And, um, and JB walks, you know, behind that kind of facing the front of the stage, but standing behind the piano and kind of leaning on it on the top of the piano. And so at first it was like, as he just like wants to get a close up view of what's happening. Um, and so then Jojo starts playing imitation leather shoes. And then you see that JB is actually holding a microphone and starts singing it like lounge singer style <laughs> behind the piano while Jojo plays the, uh, the keyboard parts mm-hmm. it was really un, you know it was just so unique which and i mean i don't i don't know if you get the sense for when you listen to it after the fact but um it was just neat to see them kind of like oh let's try this and see what happens and uh and uh, it came off pretty well so um so do that and then uh and big woolly and blue indian was fun and then uh and then billy strings comes back out and um I think this section, which, um, well, I probably should just play it and then we can talk about it a little bit after the fact, but, um, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we got into night two's music? Yeah. I thought the, 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 the stuff with Billy strings, uh, the first set was really, was really great. The, the ribs and whiskey JB solo are always enjoyable. Um, and then, yeah, that imitation leather shoe shoes, uh, what I listened to it the morning after was, was certainly, certainly unique, but, uh, I definitely think that the, the what this show is going to be remembered for is our, the, 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 the handful of songs that Billy Strings said in on. So I think we should get to the next selection. All right. Saturday night, Ryman Auditorium, August 24th, 2019, middle of the second set and, uh, Billy Strings with Watchbird Panic.
right, Widespread Panic with their friend, new friend, Billy Strings on guitar from the Mother Church of Country Music, the Ryman Auditorium, August 24th, 2019. The Billy Joe Shaver classic Chunk of Coal, Airplane into Ride Me High. And folks, just this shows how bizarre this whole world of podcasting and whatnot is. You literally just heard a 30-minute segment of music, but before that, Harvey was all sad because he thought his beloved Saints were going to lose, and in like five minutes of real time, the Saints ended up winning, Harvey. Explain how this happened. <laughs> just like I said, uh, you know, I think the Saints well are about to win. Yeah. <laughs> yep, um, yeah, so Texans went 75 yards in two plays to, to go ahead with like 820-some seconds left, and then... Uh, but Saints got the ball back, and Breeze drove them 34 yards, I guess, to get to the 41, and, and then Will Lutz kicked a 58-yard field goal at the buzzer to, to give them the win. So let's so, so while, while you're on a high and talking about things that make you happy, tell us yeah. about this selection, Harvey. Yeah. Um, I have to say, um, I mean, certainly being there, I mean, I, I had a smile on my face from – from pretty much the jump until I don't even know, like Monday or Tuesday. I mean, it was that much fun to be there to experience that. But even listening, you know, a second, third, fourth time, um, it really holds up. I think. I mean, I don't think it was like a in the moment. It was fun. Um, I mean, it's just it really jumps off the page or jumps out of the speaker. I think when you listen to it again. Um, and and the thing that they got me, um, and I don't know if this is too, this is too inside baseball. Um, maybe if it is, you can tell me to to cut it. Um, and I'm, I'm going to name drop here because we went to the Sam Holt show after um, Saturday night, and uh, backstage uh, Dwayne Trucks was there, um, and and so he was talking a little bit about how. Uh, how the sh- how it came you know how the guests sit in came to be and like you know what it was like and um i guess and I, and I don't know how this works i'm not a musician but i guess sort of schools was the one that kind of presented to the band as you know this guy's really good we should we should have him up so i don't know if he sort of like vouched for him right and um and then um <laughs> Dwayne said that that jimmy had kind of been complaining all week i guess during um during rehearsals that, you know, he didn't have a whole lot to do, you know, on the acoustic didn't, you know, didn't really get to, to spread his legs too much or stretch his legs too much, um, on the acoustic guitar. And he's like, and so then Billy comes out and starts wailing. And then it was like, Jimmy was like, Oh, okay, well I can do that. And so it was almost like, you know, see, dude, you can, like, it's not, you know, you're, you're not like, uh, you don't have a, a bit in your mouth, you know, you can feel free to run, run loose. And, uh, so you hear that, I think a little bit on the tape that, um, you know, they started kind of dueling a little bit on the guitars, um, especially in the, in the, the later parts of air of airplane and ride me high. But, um, yeah, just, just fun, fun stuff. Super happy. That was one of those, you know, sometimes you have those FOMO moments and this is definitely one of those, you know, Glad I was there. It's really strong. And I know that I've criticized Billy Strings for going by Billy Strings. Uh, <laughs> do we know his actual last name? 
Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's on Wikipedia. So if you want to talk, I'll I'll tell you what it is. Um, but uh, he can sit in with uh, panic pretty much any time. Uh, the chunk of coal, the coal's great. I love the. When I was listening to it, I love how Jojo keeps the intro going longer than usual. And so you start to hear these sort of like scattered, you know, people singing along. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Are they going to do an instrumental version? And then <laughs> Jojo's just screwing with people. Um, that's the yeah. one thing, like, you know, again, very sit and ski is that because you can hear the crowd so well, um, hearing people sing along that North for that version of North we played, um, singing the chorus from North was pretty awesome. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the, so Billy, great. the jam was great. And then, yeah, the ride me high. Um, you know, again, I think it's just sit and ski was 23 years ago. The band that did sit and ski, I don't think could pull off this meaning it was just a different band in a different time. And I think this, just this, these, these three shows, even the seven years since wood. And I didn't really like wood so much because it felt too much felt too processed to me yeah a little contrived right it was uh, too rehearsed planned and yeah yeah i mean it was cool and it was great to see some of those songs from way back come into the rotation and they obviously they dropped some new material um some new covers and stuff but it just didn't really hit hit it for me mm-hmm. um but these shows are really good because it felt they're loose but well played the band is clearly having fun. The fa- the crowd's responding to it. So it just felt felt much more authentic. Not and again, the reason why I say I think they're they pulled this off better than that band it's um Sitinski is just that I think the level of play here and the things that they're doing is I think a little bit more challenging. That's all. Yeah. Saying it's yeah. better. I'm just saying it's more there's more challenging things happening here, meaning the band is pushing themselves and pushing themselves harder. Um because Sitinski, again, the stuff that I remember from Sitinski that are so re- so remarkable and so remember so memorable is is pretty much the stuff with Blackman. Yeah. Um, where you have to again, where it's just a guest pushing the band, but also creating this drama with the fiddle. I mean, how amazing would it have been? for Blackman to be a part of these gigs. Um, mm-hmm. But he's not, and Billy Strings was, and this was really good. So again, I'm not saying that it's better than Sit and Ski. I'm just saying that this band at this this place and time, and I think a lot of it has to do with Dwayne just bringing new energy and, yeah. and really just driving. I mean, these songs just drive. Um, and when you got somebody playing the kit that's going to drive – but even when you're when you're playing acoustic, which is what you kind of what you said before, it's like acoustic for the sake of acoustic is boring as hell, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know. But if you're playing, like you said, if you're playing loud songs on an acoustic and you're still playing them loud, it's usually a pretty good, pretty good, you know, recipe for something that something that's going to happen. And I think Dwayne adds a lot to that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I think that's, that nails it. And I think that's a lot where, I mean, you know, that's where a lot of the best, like, um, unplugged, you know, experiences were like that, you yeah, know, whether it's Nirvana or Pearl Jam or, Kiss. you know, what about Kiss? Yeah. Or, I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, no, totally. Uh, but you know, where, where bands are playing their loud stuff, but just, you know, just with acoustic instruments, you know, and, um, so, uh, 
So, yeah. And I mean, I, I have to say, like, the moment that they started playing Airplane was one of those moments because up until then, it was so it was like, you know, there's a time and Blackout and um, Chunk of Coal, which are all sort of like traditional, you know, maybe a sort of bluegrassy sort of guest type songs. But then to drop Airplane, seriously? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just like, I don't I want to know whose choice that was. Um, but I mean, you know that Billy can play, I'm sure, any song, you know, and sound great on it. But like that just seemed like such a great spot. And then same with Robbie High. It was like, oh, shit, really? Damn. Like, here we go. And uh, I think that- it was like it was a full panic show at that point. You know, sure. it wasn't just like the bluegrass musician playing bluegrassy songs. Yeah. Uh, again, this is, we've, we've talked a lot about sit-ins and stuff and it is sort of like that finding the right musician to sit in with it, sit in with you and how it's not just the guy out there that is just going to sit there and play rhythm behind Jimmy or behind Mike or whatever and just the yeah. rhythm and then he gets the nod. Wait for the solo, right? Yeah, yeah. To the front of the stage, takes the solo, everybody goes, woo, and then he steps to the back and then he just keeps playing rhythm and they turn him down in the mix so you can't hear. <laughs> right. That was never that was never the intention with, with this. I mean that's and that's yeah. the best sit in and it, obviously the band responds to that a lot better too. I mean sometimes sit in again, you know, do they still do that art of the sit in? I think is it a podcast or an interview or something on jam bass or whatever. Mm. I don't know if they do, but like, you know it, you know, it when you see it where it's like, okay, it's like this same weekend was locking with a uh, tray sitting in with. Right. Yeah. 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 I totally like, forgot about like, that. Yeah. Holy shit. Like the stuff mm. with Trey sitting with Tedeschi and trucks, like from the first notes when they started playing the Layla record, it was like Trey is playing Clapton perfectly and he's trying to sing like Clapton, but he played in such a way that fits so well with, with, with Derek and like watching him play. And again, like you watch the video, you know, he's Doyle Bramhall is playing too. And he's obviously no slouch on guitar. And so they all take breaks and like Trey's really into it. And then he turns to Susan and then like he gets Susan to like, you know, take a break and he pushes her and Mm -hmm. it's just, it was just perfect. And again, I've never said that about Trey Anastasio. (laughs) Respect him. Just not my jam, but like, right. It's and he, I know he took a lot of shit for the fairly well shows at, at, at soldier field and you know, whatever, but like he just killed it with Derek and Susan. They played that Layla record. I mean, almost note perfect. Um, You know, Derek, brings out i mean the, the the les paul gold top that's one serial number away from the one that Dwayne had um i know i'm getting far afield but it was amazing, it was amazing. <laughs> um so again yeah. but it is it is worth mentioning and it like it wasn't lost on me when i watched listen to this and then listen to that it's like okay this was this isn't just some random shit like this is this is orchestrated and natural and and authentic and it was really good stuff yeah and i mean i think the biggest the the the, from the thing that i can communicate from being there was like it was so clear that he was having fun and was super excited about being on stage with the band and that the band was having fun you know they recognized that it was a, a special moment you know and not just this thing um so i thought that was that was really cool. Yeah. Did you um, find out Billy Strings' uh, real name for me? 
yes. Yeah. So it is um, William Apostol, A-P-O-S-T-O-L. Well, so. I can say I know why he takes it to screen. <laughs> you had a hard time with it. And if you had a hard time with it, uh, other people are going to as well. So yep. good move. Good move. Yep, and he uh, he turns uh, twenty seven next month. Yeah, he's a little bit so, older than uh, yeah. than what I thought. But um, yeah. So and then since then, uh, in this past weekend, as we're covering breaking news, um, he played uh, in Athens. Played two nights in Atlanta and then a night in Athens this past weekend, and played uh, Ride Me High. Uh, the second night in Atlanta, um, and then uh, and then played All Time Low at the Georgia Theater in Athens as sort of a nod to to Panic's uh, stomping grounds. I thought that was pretty I cool. Just, so. I just liked how uh, the, how I knew about it was because Dave Schools posted it posted video on Instagram, yeah. which is just sort of hilarious to me. But it was pretty cool. Yeah, and you know, I mean. Uh, he's in Billy's got a new uh, new album coming out I think pretty soon really soon uh, they've released a few of the songs um, so it sounds like that's going to be pretty and, good uh, and, and speaking um, of records they have delayed the release of the carpool the vinyl, the vinyl. Yeah. Um, sounds like from what uh, from what I've sort of heard I don't even remember who I talked to about it sounds like uh, just couldn't get the just having some issues getting the mix right, but also um, making records and getting them out in a timely manner right now is incredibly difficult because everybody and their cousin wants to make a record uh, mm-hmm. or get a record. And there's, only, there's a finite number of people that there's can a press them. finite number of presses in this world right now. So unless you want to go find some presses in a chicken coop in Arkansas, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have to do, uh, wait, wait your turn. So any more uh, comments on post post billy strings encore for saturday night or should we move on to sunday um no just a little bit of you know follow-up so the billy strings new album home is coming out september 27th on uh on rounder records so check that out and and if he's coming to your town check him out though i think most of the shows that he's got scheduled are sold out another one up in northern kentucky is so um yeah i was sort of i mean i saw i saw him twice uh this summer and um and we've talked about him a lot on this podcast so it's kind of cool that it sort of culminated in his appearance i feel like in some ways we sort of willed it to happen uh to have him on stage with the band i'm sure so, that's how they got the idea so i think i'm uh, i mean that's what I, i'm gonna go with if You're welcome, uh, everybody. You know, this is right. life-changing <laughs> events that we can bring about here um so, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you a couple of things just on the end of the show uh, or the conclusion of the of the second night. Um, so after he after Billy leaves the stage, JB, I don't know if you caught the JB ism of. Uh, Pretty good. Uh, and then they drop into vacation, which was like, oh, my God, really? And then I mean, it was perfectly good, but it and I don't know, you know, uh, I'm sort of a uh, a noob when it comes to to newer versions of the band, but there was really no like jam at the end of it. So I don't know if that's something that they do when they play it acoustic, or if that's a rarity, or if that's something that happens sometimes or not. But it was just sort of a self-contained, um, you know, I don't know how long it was, four or five minutes maybe. 
So, um, and I know. So that was sort of it. And you freaked out with uh, when you coming home. Uh, the dirty side down rarity. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I noticed like when they came out that they put some. I don't know if it was in front of Dave or in front of JB, but they like. I think it was Dave. Like they brought out a um, a sheet music stand and put a put a piece of paper oh, yeah. on it, and so it was like, oh man, they must be busting something out. <laughs> And so they played that. And I mean, truth be told, I had no, I'd never heard the song before. I don't, I mean, it could have been a cover. It could have been a cover for all I knew. Like that I had no idea that that was a panic song. Um, I mean, I guess I've heard that before, but I don't know. Did you know, did you know that song? No, I mean, I own the only reason why I own that record is because my friend Mark Spusta did the, uh, right. That's the reason why I even have it. Um, um, and then, uh, and then the heart of gold closer, that was nice. Um, and I did want to say, I didn't, I haven't mentioned this and it's something that really stuck out to me almost immediately on Saturday night was that JB sounded amazing. And, um, you know, I've talked a little bit on this podcast and, uh, you know, over the last few years, I feel like he is, you know, obviously like all of us, but you know, he's getting a little bit older and felt like sometimes he struggled hitting those, um, those, you know, basically he, you know, he didn't, he couldn't sing like he sang 20 years ago. Surprise, surprise. Um, but man, he sounded great. And I really think that, well, I think there's a couple things. I, I do think that not playing as much is helping him, you know, maybe with, a, um, that he can push a little bit harder when he doesn't have to, you know, when he's not playing every night. And, um, but then also I think just the acoustic, that he doesn't have to sing over the music as much Mm -hmm. that he's not, you know, fronting a loud ass rock band that that really helps too. Um, because I really thought that he sounded better in these rhyming shows than I had heard him sound in years. So, um, I don't know, maybe I missed something, but it it is. No, I mean, I, I think that's definitely true. He sounds great. And I think this, We've talked about this. This setup benefits the band in myriad ways. And uh, I think Mm -hmm. JB's voice is really the main one. Because again, it's, we've talked a lot about, again, 93 episodes now. We've talked a lot about engage JB or whatever, however however that manifests itself, whether it's a hat backwards kind of night or raps or slide freakouts on rock or whatever it is. But like that becomes difficult when you are of an advanced age and you're trying to do 150 shows a year, 100 shows a year. Like this, it sets it up perfectly. So I'm glad that they found their happy medium. And again, I think we've talked about this before as well. It's like the antithesis of the Grateful Dead model, right? Where you just roll the old old guy out there because that's what everybody (laughs) expects, even though he's looking like he's going to die and he sounds not good and hasn't sounded good in a long time. But hey, we still love him. Um, They're not going down that road. Fish is not going down that road. So at least somebody learns from the past. Um, Obviously, I think they've made their, if they've been smart, they've made their money, but you're just not going to see these guys put themselves through it like Jerry did, like Greg Allman did, like Dickie did. Um, you know, it's just the, the, the model has changed and you can make as much money or maybe who knows, maybe even better money by doing it this way and, you know, doing, having fun and doing these acoustic shows at the Ryman and then playing Pensacola beach on Labor Day weekend, which 
probably because they wanted to go to the beach, right? Right. Yeah. They want, the white um, they want some 30A action, Harvey. That's what they want. Who, who doesn't want some 30A action, Jeff? <laughs> um, and uh, so before we get into um, the third night, I'll give you a little bit of recap of uh, Sam Holt Saturday night at the Mercy Lounge. Uh, was another great show. Um, a couple of the highlights was were the uh, sandbox into diner jam into center stage, which was awesome. Um, I mean, it sort of dropped into the very I don't know, you know, at whatever point, like right before the last jam of diner hits, and um, that was a really cool transition. And uh, and then after that. Um, Spanky McClure came out and they played one of my favorite songs of all time, which is the all good classic, the train song Oh yeah, from uh, ride the bee, which is great. So they played that. And then, um, do you know who, uh, Eddie rabbit is? Yeah, man. I love a rainy night. So, uh, played a uh, driving my life away, driving my by, life Eddie, away. <laughs> by Eddie rabbit. Yeah. Uh, that uh, and Spanky sang that one, so that was fun. And then uh, the uh, the American Idol star Taylor Hicks came oh, out, yeah, and uh, and they did uh, "Feeling All Right" with Taylor Hicks on vocals and harmonica, which is pretty awesome. Um, and then um, Cameron Williams sang uh, "On Your Way Down," Ooh. and then um, Sam played a song, which I really I want to have him back on the podcast to to talk about because it feels, it feels like a song that has a really good story behind it. Um, I think it's a song about Steve Lopez, who is the road manager for the band. Um, and it's called check me out with a cheeseburger is <laughs> really funny and it's a good song and it's funny. And, um, so next time Sam comes on, we're going to talk about check me out with a cheeseburger. I, um, First of all, I enjoy unless unless you know unless you know the story about the check me out with the cheeseburger. No, I, uh, the, my favorite part about that uh, whole thing was when you said Spanky McClure came out, meaning you actually thought that I knew who Spanky McClure was, or you feel our listeners know who Spanky McClure is. So that 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 made me laugh. Um, I'm looking at the set list. They had West Virginia. They played 24 Hours at a Time by Marshall Tucker Band, which is fantastic. They played Jack Straw. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, those look like good shows. I should go see them. That's fun. They don't come to Memphis. Um, uh, Yeah, obviously Sam's segments on the shows are... Uh, episodes have been great, but I really have enjoyed the Sam Holt stuff that y'all played and talked about and look forward to listening to these shows. Yeah. Yeah. Check them out. And, um, I don't think he's got any shows scheduled, um, right now. I would assume, I don't know when the band's going to announce their new year's stuff, but he may do something around that. And, um, I feel yeah, so if Sam comes back on, um, that'll be his third visit. Then does that mean you've earned the opportunity to sit in with the band? <laughs> what? Um, well, seeing as how I have no musical talent, I mean, could I play like, like a triangle maybe, or yeah, maybe a, a, a maraca? Or, yeah. Uh, get a, get something to shake and then sing backup on, on a panic song. Okay. 
Um, also Taylor Hicks. I mean, God love Taylor Hicks. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy that. He is just now he's at this point in his life where I know he's got gigs and I think he does the casino thing or whatever. It might try does cruise ships or whatever. But I love that he sits in with bands, like he's been able to sit in with bands that he loves and other Southern musicians. Um, it's it's pretty cool. He's a very earnest young man. And yeah. I, I think it's great that he's been able to to do all of this. No, totally. And um, yeah, and I mean, he's a super nice guy. And uh, I love that he plays the music that he, that he loves. And it's not, you know, I mean, I'm sure he play he's, you know, he'll play, um, play the hits, but you know, I think he likes coming out and, and doing the, this, uh, root stuff that he grew up on. But if you didn't know, Spanky McClure played in the, uh, in the dirty birds, which was the <laughs> band that, that Sam uh, had out in Colorado, I think. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I missed that one. Uh, wow. I, I should really, I should be suspended from the pod for not. I guarantee that more than zero people <laughs> that are listening right now <laughs> knew who Spanky McClure was. Um, anyway. I, I, I wish him well, and I'm sure he's a talented young man, but the best part was that you assumed that I knew who that would be. No, I didn't. I knew that you didn't, but I just didn't feel like it was, sometimes it gets old having to explain everything to you. Just Jeff. Sure. We should, uh, um, should we do uh third night night three yes so um so i was still in the uh in the afterglow here but i'd already driven home by by that point and i will have to say so here's the thing about going to after shows um you don't get home till late and plus it's central time and so like i would get back to the to the place at like 2 30 which is actually 3 30 and i don't know if you if you're like this I mean, but I have a, I've had children in my house for now almost seven years and I've basically never sleep past like seven in the morning and that's East coast time. So yeah. So every morning in Nashville, I woke up at, uh, at about six forty-five Nashville time Ooh, after, right. after about, after a three o'clock bedtime. So, um, I had been on the struggle bus and Sunday, Sunday morning was a, was a rough drive. <laughs> rough drive home uh on about you know eight hours of sleep from the two nights combined but uh but anyway I, uh, um, I feel like we 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 still have not added our our own unique breaking news chiron but i feel like we also need to have like dad dad advice music right. <laughs> like the breaking news like here's the some advice from your old uncle Harv. <laughs> Something like that. Cause that was, that was, yeah. that was good too. Uh, yeah. anyway. So, uh, so third night, uh, another great show. Um, got a, let's go show on the road opener. Um, hopeless world is part of town. And then uh, lawyers guns and money, which is kind of a crazy first set mid first set, uh, song. Um, and then the first first performance of the Life is a Tree song that JB debuted at his uh, talent show at the at the uh, country club <laughs> from last year. Um, and then uh, in the second set, yeah, the, the protein drink sewing machine opener. Um, and uh, they just saw the return of Somewhere in Time. Uh, and then... 
and then this section here, which is uh, somewhere in time, is that Los Lobos, right? I knew is that the Los Lobos song? That's <laughs> looking it is up. Is that a spanking uh, Leclerc question for you? It is a Los Lobos song. Okay. Nice job. Cool. Yeah. Also, uh, debuted during the Wood Tour. Okay. Um. So. Uh, so yeah, and then they go into this segment here, which we're going to play uh, from night three, August twenty fifth, twenty nineteen, from the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee.
It's Sunday, August 25th, 2019 from the middle of the second set, Surprise Valley into Genesis, back into Surprise Valley. Um, again, I would say the Surprise Valley falls into that uh, same category as the North, which is sort of a song that um, you wouldn't necessarily expect to hear an acoustic version of, that it's more of a, a rock song, but I really like how it sounds kind of stripped down to its uh to its base level and um genesis on the on the other hand i guess it's not a is a little more of an acoustic song but um that is one of those songs that was one of my favorites from from sitski i was always happy to see a genesis on a set list so um so this is um again harkens back to that that tour from 96 for me this run yeah good little uh good little segment really I'm not the biggest Todd Snyder fan, but I really dug what comes after this with yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. Desperados waiting for a train, the Guy Clark song, and then the Christofferson song, Jesus was a Capricorn. And of course, everybody yells for the Waker, uh, which was which was fine. But uh, the Desperados waiting for a train especially was very, very cool. So, Yeah. Um, and then a great encore, C. Brown, Blight, uh, end of the show. And I guess they had sort of the whole band came up and sat at the front of the stage for the encore. Yeah. yeah. Sort of played more of a stripped down stuff. So, um, so dug that. So again, um, all in all great run. I really wish that I'd probably gone to all three nights, but, um, those things are harder to do <laughs> when you have responsibilities and you have to beg time away from family. But, um, I really do. I really, really hope that this becomes something that they maybe do, maybe do on the, on the semi-regular. Um, I think it's a great venue for this kind of show. And, um, you know, it's always going to be packed in there. So you're always going to have high energy, you know, which is, I think a great, um, sort of counterpoint to, to acoustic music. So, um, I have no problems with sing along. So it was fun and, um, yeah, just a great time. So, Wish you could have made it, Jeff. Maybe next time. Well, we'll get him next time. Do need to go to a show at some point, though. I haven't been to one in. Uh, have you? Are you just it oh, was just the one Memphis show that you've been to last since eighteen and sixteen. So, but like since we started doing yeah, this, just one because I wow. uh, I can't go. I can't go anywhere, Harvey. I, I just can't. Well, um, yeah, it's a bit harder now that you got a a little a little human being in the. Room. Yeah, we'll get there. They would just, you know, yeah. they haven't played anything. Oh yeah, no, it's it doesn't take long. Now that our youngest is uh, <laughs> just now four, it's almost easier. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his own challenges, but yeah, it was, it's about four for us. Um, so. Would be as we're winding down this episode. Would be remiss if we didn't um, mention the passing of three great musicians. Uh, had two very close to together. Um, somebody that's played with Panic um, off and on was the lead guitarist in Chris Robinson Brotherhood, and before that was in the Cardinals with Ryan Adams. That's Neil Casal, who of course is in Hardworking Americans with Schools and Dwayne. But uh, just sad story. Um, just you know, I'm dealing with dealing with some demons um, mm-hmm. in, in his life. And uh, Neil was a great guy. He came to the Stax Museum with Chris one time when they were in town and showed him around. And 
you know, I've given celeb quote unquote celebrity tours before, and most of them just don't give a rip about the stuff I'm telling them. But like, obviously, Chris is an easy mark anyway. But um, first of all, all the guys in the band are like music nerds, but uh, Chris and Neil were especially, and they were you know getting into things, wanting to look in boxes and stuff. So I'll remember that about Neil. And then the Muscle Shoals music community um, had a couple hits. Uh, a couple weeks ago with the death of keyboard player and songwriter Donnie Fritz, funky Donna, Donnie Fritz, the Alabama leaning man. Um, really, you know, part of that Dan Penn, Spooner Oldham, Eddie Hinton, Swampers generation of musicians and, and was a great songwriter, wrote the Dusty Springfield classic Breakfast in Bed with Eddie Hinton that was on the Dusty, Dusty in Memphis record. And a handful of other things too, but of course, yeah, I think he's best known um, as being Chris Christopherson's keyboard player and sidekick and co-star in movies and among other things. But Downey left us a couple weeks ago, and then just this past weekend, um, the great Jimmy Johnson, the, a member of the uh, of the famous Swampers with Barry Beckett, Roger Hawkins, and David Hood, Jimmy passed. I think he was seventy-seven. But just a true giant, not only as a musician, so many amazing records would not exist either through playing or production um, without Jimmy Johnson. And that's everything from uh, the first two Aretha records to uh, Exile on Main Street to first Skinner to Skinner's first recordings and dozens of other amazing soul records. And so... Uh, we miss all three of those guys, but the catalogs live on. Um, I was going to do like a Instagram thing for work of every record I had with Jimmy Johnson on it. And I started like going through and I think I got up to 75 and I only got through halfway my record, halfway through my record. <laughs> so like that dude played on tons of stuff and um, obviously being uh, a southern musician and on a bunch of things that you know panics covered and i'm certainly influenced by a great character in the uh the drive-by truckers classic ronnie and neil too yes um yeah absolutely uh <laughs> sorry thinking, thinking of uh, ronnie and neil i was listening to truckers today with his <laughs> right. and man that band was pretty talented Pretty talented group of songwriters. Could, yeah, I was going to say, they could write some songs, those guys. And they've only gotten um, better. It's scary. You know, obviously, I mean, all three individually, of them. Individually, yeah, no, free. you're right. Yeah. Um, Truckers have a new record coming out first part of next year. I'm sure it'll be incredibly uh, ambivalent and, you know, apolitical and not at all highlighting <laughs> the state of affairs. <laughs> Yeah. Very neutral, um, passive, you know, whatever. All right. Well, um, thanks everybody for joining us. We obviously had a lot to talk to talk about. It's been a while since we uh, got together. So, um, and thanks for doing the, we haven't really talked since you did the, uh, the interview with your father-in-law for the Woodstock show, which was, oh, yeah. I thought was cool. fantastic. So, yeah. Um, the best part about that is I, you know, it would have been interesting to have somebody that would talk about how stoned they were and how amazing Hendrix was and whatever else. But I really enjoyed how he's just sort of, you know, it was so matter of fact. And obviously none of you know my father-in-law, but like the whole idea of, you know, taking advantage of an opportunity, sort of like hitchhiking how... up, free ticket. 
It's sort it, of uh, like, you know, Forrest Gump think, would just like stumble into historical <laughs> moments, you know? But then like, yeah, be a, would be a part of them and be like, okay, that was a thing. I got to go back to work on Monday. So let's just go mm-hmm. home. Like, mm-hmm. do anything else? Like, no, it's yeah. on top of that bus. But then, you know, 50 years later, like, I guess I was a part of something really important and big. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, hoping everybody's uh september has been good and um we'll uh hopefully be back again soon got some um got some ideas in the hopper for uh, future shows we need to figure out what we're going to do for number 100 you got any ideas i don't know we got some interviews we need to do before 100 and uh i don't know i mean i feel like it should be um i mean we should probably go back to our roots yeah uh you know Play some ninety six. <laughs> do, do the definitive best of nineteen ninety six or something yeah. like that. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us, um, and uh, and we'll talk again soon. Definitely check us out uh, on all the uh, all the various haunts, Facebook and Twitter, and uh, rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. That helps other people find us and. Um, And yeah, so we'll talk uh, next time. In the meantime, we'll send you out with uh, Billy Strings from the Georgia Theater from um, Saturday, September 7th. Hello, Saturday.